Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the first of a two-part series. Uh, we were very interested in a question sent to us by a fellow conspiracy realist asking, who are the world's most dangerous prisoners. Uh, luckily, the four of us here can confirm that we have, none of us, been in prison in the United States. Uh, <laughs> if you live in the United States, it's one of the places in the world where you're most likely to go to prison, which is a real bummer to think about. Right? Wait, I can confirm that, right? None of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never been there in person, but I've seen Oz, so uh, I kind of get the vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That Schillinger was a real pill. <laughs> right. Yeah. In, in Atlanta, we used to have a maximum security prison, which is now a, a medium security slash low security prison. I thought it wasn't even functional anymore. It just looks spooky. It's uh, the big one that used to like house, I think, Al Capone back in the day. It's over there by the music store and the really good taco shop. Yeah. Some of the best tacos in town. Oh, yeah. It was the second federal penitentiary that was ever created in this country, right in our fair city. 
Yeah, because back then Atlanta didn't have the political juice to make a NIMBY argument, a not in my backyard argument. For a time, it was also home to someone the media dubbed the world's most dangerous prisoner. We'll get into that as well. And uh, personally, I think that's a little bit more of a, a media term than a factual statement. But to answer this question, we have to go to some strange places. And to be clear, first, we have to focus on the U.S. in this episode. And with your help, folks, we can expand to other continents in future shows. And with that in mind, here are the facts. Whew, there's a lot of people locked up. More and more and more, it seems, uh, not just in the U.S., but in the world. There's a, If you're feeling like you're not depressed enough when you tuned into this episode, please check out something called the World Prison Population List. They survey 223 different prison systems in countries and territories, overseas possessions across the planet. They found that there are more than 10.35 million people incarcerated throughout the world uh, on record. So that's caveat. That doesn't count a bunch of stuff, as we'll see. Yeah, and most of most of those prisoners that are counted there are in the U.S. So we've got around 2.2 million. Yeah, that means that statistically, odds are in favor of the world's most dangerous prisoner being here in the States. That's just the math. Uh, but that, you, you know, it's not to say other countries are not without horrific problems. Uh, the report goes on to shout out a country at least I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and uh, it comes from a country that uh, I was personally not even aware of uh, called Seychelles, uh, which has the highest prison population rate in the world, according to the report you cited previously, um, with 799 per 100,000 of its total population incarcerated. So basically, it's one of those places where, like several places in the U.S., if you live there, you probably know someone who's been to prison if you haven't been to prison yourself. Yeah, and it's it is a pretty small country. It's off the it's in the East Indian Ocean off the eastern coast of the African continent. And the population is about one hundred thousand four hundred and forty seven people. So not the biggest place, right? There are cities that are much larger than than the entire population of the country. But still, Matt, your point holds true. Uh, and I love that you point out this is this reality in some parts of the United States, right? Especially historically disadvantaged communities. Nothing occurs in a vacuum. There are a lot of intergenerational structural things that lead people to a higher likelihood of imprisonment. And these global statistics, as we said, they sadly miss a lot of information. They don't account for black sites Remember those, how the news just stopped caring about those amid the war on terror? Uh, what is a black site? It's a cool name for a horrible thing. Oh, it's a place that generally an intelligence organization outfit may be in concert with the military or just the military itself. They put together in secret to secret away prisoners, usually prisoners of war or prisoners of a major conflict. And the key there is that they're off the books, allowing them to perhaps operate outside of the bounds of uh, accepted methods, let's just say, well, of yeah. detainment and forms of enhanced interrogation. Because well, it's, it's usually an information gathering. That's the purpose, right? It's to gather information from enemy combatants. 
and check out our episodes on torture uh, if you're still not depressed enough uh, and whether or not torture works. Enhanced interrogation is such a such a fatuous term. I mean, it's like it's like calling punching somebody a vigorous caress. Enhanced interrogation is torture in many cases. And whether or not you believe torture does work, it's important to be honest and call it what it is. Uh, And look, even in the legally sanctioned prison systems across the world, I think everybody can agree the vast majority of those are broken in one way or another. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I saw uh, interior photos of some Scandinavian prisons, right? Where, where people are honestly, you know, not to diminish the fact that they're locked up, people are honestly having a higher standard of living than a lot of folks in the United States. It's just a fact. If you have you get you guys see, have seen those pictures, right? Yeah, they got playstations. They get they have the right to cook all all sorts of stuff. So prisons are very much not created equally. Uh, If we want to think of famous broken prisons, think of some South American countries where gangs more or less run the prisons that are supposed to uh, imprison them now and then. And this, some of this is a numbers game. I found one thing uh, that was of interest from 2017, some research for American political science review found that In a prison in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, there were 1,400 prisoners. Guess how many uh, prison officials worked there? 20. Okay, Noel, you want to make a guess? (laughs) I'm going to say 100. The answer is six. Ah! Wow. I really thought I was jokingly underselling the 20. Wow. Uh, did you guys hear about the, I think it's the Maryland prison system where there was a group called the black gorilla family and they had essentially infiltrated the guards within like three or four different facilities. And they were essentially a gang was running the prisons, uh, to some extent, there were over 200, uh, officials who worked for the prison system. They got charged in 2019, I think. Um, but 200 officials were doing it. Uh, they were just bringing in contraband, basically uh, doing things for the gangs inside the prison and outside the prison. It's nuts. That is, uh, that that might be an episode. You mm-hmm. know, I, I heard of Black Gorilla, but I hadn't heard of, of this situation, Matt. This is the first time learning about this for me. That's fascinating. And uh, it could be illustrative of other other things on the horizon, you know, uh, there's something that we have never done an episode on partially just because of the gruesomeness of it. But South African prisons, uh, are often run by a criminal series of criminal organizations called numbers gangs. And have we, okay. So we haven't done this on air. It's, uh, it's brutal to, to give you just a, a taste of some of the regular activities uh, these gangs use to enforce their rule on the prison system, uh, it is a known punishment when someone steps out of line 
to have an HIV positive uh, attacker slice the buttocks of the victim oh, and then assault them. Whew. Yeah. And that's just one thing. So it's, it's very brutal. And again, the, uh, the government of South Africa has not had a lot of luck tamping down on that broken system. And then, of course, there's the United States. Prison system here is a multi-billion dollar business. When uh, private prisons came under fire, they smoothly transitioned to detaining uh, undocumented populations. And the prison system itself is clearly descended directly from the days of slavery. It's true. Okay, but so we can all agree prison systems have problems. But on the other hand... There's no denying it. Most people are good when given the opportunity to be so, but some people just can't be allowed to mingle with the general public. They just cannot. They're too dangerous. Yeah, we're talking about murderers, serial assaulters, um, names that you may recognize like Pedro Lopez, the monster of the Andes, or John Wayne Gacy, you know, the clown guy that kind of <laughs> ruined clowns for everybody. Um, in the in America, anyway. Um, Pedro both- Alonso Lopez, by the way, that dude. Every time I hear that name, see it written down, mm-hmm. just want to fight things. Kill like hundreds, hundreds of children. And uh, he was in our uncaught serial killer, one of our uncaught serial killer episodes, because he had uh, been released from an Ecuadorian prison in August of '94. And then rearrested instantly as an illegal immigrant and handed over the border to Colombia. And then he was held there in a hospital until 1998, where he was declared sane, released on the equivalent of a $50 bail. And no one knows what happened to him since. Now, both Gacy is dead, thankfully. Um, Lopez is probably dead at this point but we have to ask who are the most dangerous prisoners today we'll start in the u.s after a word from our sponsor when you think about the future what kind of technology do you envision whatever the future holds artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all join graham class as he hosts season two of technically speaking an intel podcast from ruby studio In partnership with Intel, explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Here's where it gets crazy. Well, given all that, there's not really just one. There's unfortunately a long list of candidates. There are as many candidates for most dangerous prisoner as there are podcast in 2022, <laughs> which means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's start with this guy that I found on some random websites and Ben, you found him on uh, some better websites. <laughs> Dude named Tom Silverstein or Thomas Silverstein. And it's fascinating that he's listed as one of the most dangerous prisoners because he doesn't seem like a particularly good fella. Uh, but he also doesn't seem like somebody that prison officials would be terrified of, except for one action that he took. Right. Also known as Terrible Tom. Uh, until his death in 2019, this guy was called the most dangerous prisoner in the States or in the world. But it was, this stood out as well, Matt, to me. It, I don't know if the title makes sense because he was called this primarily due to a couple things. Uh, the murder of a guard, uh, the his membership and, and leadership of the Aryan Brotherhood, a white supremacist prison gang, uh, and the length of his incarceration. He was locked up for 42 years until he died on May 11th, 2019. And for 36 of those years, he was in solitary confinement in the supermax. Uh, and this means that if you're in this solitary confinement, you are by yourself for 23 hours a day. So for 36 years, you have one hour in what you could call a yard. Yep. And a couple of rides, I think to Atlanta, 
because he stayed in the when it was a supermax prison in Atlanta. He stayed there for a while in solitary. Then he went to that one we're going to talk about, ADX Florence. ADX, yeah. And he began his criminal career with a series of armed robberies in the 1970s. Uh, he had a total of three to four victims. And folks, if you follow true crime, you know that that pales in comparison to the amount of murders committed by others in the exact same U.S. prison system. Uh, he was definitely a bastard, but he was probably never the world's most dangerous prisoner. And honestly, calling him that lends a sense of importance that we don't think he deserves. It does make me wonder how much outside influence he was able to have because he's in solitary confinement, right? But surely he can make phone calls or something. And I just wonder if he was ever able to influence the actions of other perhaps gang members that were outside of the prison or even yeah. within the prison, if he was allowed to communicate. Yeah. That's one of the things that makes, makes someone a dangerous prisoner. Right. Uh, and that's a great question, Matt. So the thing is, though, that after he murdered a correction officer named Merle Klutz, C-L-U-T-T-S, in 1983, the entire system said, look, we can't give this guy the death penalty because he, he got solitary, he got life, essentially. He's going to die in prison, but we can't kill him, so we're going to make his life a living hell. And that's a quote from a book about Leavenworth. Uh, they weren't really afraid of him. They simply despised him with good reason. But so, okay, so does he, quote unquote, deserve that title? Again, we think it's media branding, but make no mistake, there are monsters behind bars all across the world. And we have to ask ourselves, how do we determine who the most dangerous are? Is it simply the number of people killed, injured, or assaulted by a single individual or do we try and guess at the potential harm that could occur if those folks are walking free? That's what law enforcement agencies tend to do. That's what they've struggled with when it comes to sentencing terrorist suspects, for example, right? Well, and I think to understand this distinction, um, there are so many factors that go into it. So I think uh, it's a good idea to explore kind of a short list of several of the most dangerous prisoners instead of, you know, laser focusing in on just one, because in the U.S., the most dangerous prisoners are held in a place called ADX Florence. Um, ADX Florence is intended uh, as a temporary kind of holding facility uh, to teach the most high risk prisoners Kind of how to <laughs> it's weird to think, you know, because prison in theory is meant to acclimate folks back to society. But this is like a prison meant to acclimate folks to regular prison. Yeah, um, because they're not even built for that, the, 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 you know, because the idea there is they would just upset the whole order of things if they were introduced into, you know, what they call in Oz Gen Pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if they were if they were in Gen Pop, if they were in GP, then they would. So chaos, right? The idea is people would die. Uh, and the weird thing about ADX is even though it's supposed to be, as, as you described it, Noel, a kind of waypoint, a stopover, there are criminals there who don't, who don't make it out and never will. They're longtime residents of the facility because they have this potential to inspire new criminals 
to direct crimes, like you were talking about, Matt, if they're allowed to communicate in any way with people outside of the walls, right? And their their outside communications are intensely monitored, you know? Uh, you could say, this is the scary thing, you could say these individuals that we're about to discuss have an infectious evil. It's a contagious thing. And that makes it almost sound supernatural, right? But it is incredibly dangerous, or at least that's the rationale for isolating them. And again, you know, there's another, there's an entire... Uh, discourse about how those individuals should be treated or detained. Should they simply be executed, right? Should they be kept alive at great expense to the taxpayer? Is solitary confinement a cruel and unusual punishment, right? And that's the interesting thing too here is that one would think typically the most egregious of, of crimes and, and, and the folks who would be considered the most dangerous would be executed, but there are oftentimes extenuating circumstances and legal loopholes, et cetera, that cause that to not be a thing. Whatever your position is on the death penalty, it does happen. It is legal in many parts of the world, including the United States. Let's get into the curious case of this first person we're going to discuss because I, he fits some of the things we're talking about, but he also like breaks the mold a little bit because I, well, let's just get into it. Uh, a man named Umar Abdul Muttalib. This is a Nigerian man that you likely remember. We talked about this on the show a while back. This was big news here in the U.S. Um, you may know someone as the underwear bomber. That was a, a phrase that was bandied about on news all over the place. This is a person who is uh, supposedly connected to Al-Qaeda, or I guess was connected to Al-Qaeda, but how deep that connection was, I don't think I've ever been told by any news outlet. Um, because that's probably information that's being kept quiet. But he's currently serving four life sentences. Mm, yeah. And nobody died. That's the thing, right? right? So there's stuff that there's definitely stuff they don't want us to know about uh, perhaps the connections and, and the uh, liability that having this person out in the world would cause. I mean, obviously, the, this attempted bombing is, is enough is reason enough. But there does there, 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 there does seem to be information that we maybe don't have but but he's the human being that strapped on the explosives and got on the plane and attempted to blow the plane up and himself right so to me that means he's not at all a mastermind he is a tool a utensil that was being uh, brandished by some some organization likely al-qaeda so like what why is he so dangerous though is it just because they could use him again if he ever got out right Likely. Um, so so for the time being, he is in the super maximum uh, facility, at least partially because of those questions that we're talking about that kind of uh, linger about the amount of support that he had from a larger terrorist organization uh, in the form of Al Qaeda. Um, while he was, as you said, Matt, much more of a tool, a trigger man, if you will, um, a would be suicide bomber. He was certainly not the, uh, the brains of the operation. Right. Yeah. He's 35 as we record this episode today. So he, he's a young man whose life unfortunately is over. You know, and that's not to, you know, that's not to defend those actions at all. It's just a waste of a life because he attempted to murder 289 people 
And, you know, there's, there's this thing. Personally, I, I don't love it when, uh, when the media gives these sorts of singular criminals nicknames uh, because it leads to, you know, it leads to various production companies, producers, I'm not going to name, exploiting the situation and doing so under the guise of uh, helping somehow, right? The information needs to be out there, but we also need to understand commodification of these criminals by giving them a name, like a nickname, isn't an entirely ethical thing to do. <coughs> Ryan Murphy. Uh, Zodiac. Yeah. Matt Frederick. No, no, no. <laughs> you didn't do that name, Matt. You did a deep dive, kick-ass exploration of a very important and still unsolved mystery. Well, I certainly said it 480 times throughout the uh, show. So and you, and you, said it, you said it with gusto and, uh, and uh, <laughs> level-headedness. Also, I mean, no one knows that name. We know the underwear bomber's name. No one knows who the Zodiac killer was. So I think, I think I that's do. a different case. You think oh, you do? Snap, mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 I'm specifically also referring to this very divisive uh, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, miniseries. Oh, right, that yeah. Has really got the internet going nuts. And, you know, my kid, who's 13, says a lot of her peers, quote unquote, um, who she doesn't particularly care for in middle school, are in fact romanticizing this guy because of this American horror story treatment of his life. And there is almost a sense of creating uh, empathy for this person uh, through this dramatization. And, you know, the producers claim, oh, no, it's giving voice to the victims. And, you know, we're doing it through the perspective of the victims. But in many cases, when you put kind of a star like this, uh, whatever the, the kid's name is, um, who, who plays him, he's not a kid, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, he's who's in all the American Evan horror story. Evan Peters. Peters? Yeah. Okay. You know, it does kind of put him in the focus and you know also apparently there's a real um affection for patrick bateman you know an american psycho by a lot of these kids in middle school which is weird to me um because american horror story and that whole kind of salacious treatment of horrific you know crimes and such uh is something that is kind of geared towards that age set even if they wouldn't come out and and say it well there's i mean there's that moribund fascination with the misfortune of others, you know, uh, and, and the idea, the folklore that surrounds uh, criminals in the United States is an old part of the culture. I mean, it's weird to say old part of the culture for such a young country, but, you know, Dillinger was deified, right? Bonnie and Clyde were romanticized. Uh, this is something that happens in the United States. So this this guy... Abdul Muttalib uh, is not gonna is not gonna see uh, a day outside of jail for the rest of his life or prison, excuse me. Uh, and it's because of those connections. If you look at the story, you'll see that eyewitness reports name folks who assisted in his attempted attack and then just faded off the radar and are possibly quite possibly still out there active somehow and if you are in counterterrorism or law enforcement that's a haunting thing right because those guys are not the type of people to say oh it didn't work out i guess now i'll take up photography 
or dressage or something. Uh, that's the one with the horses, right? Mm-hmm. The dressage? Dressage. It's the ones yeah. where, the, where the horses step daintily. Yeah, uh, they're not getting into that. Right. They've already no. decided what they want to do. Uh, and that's a so that connection, we see that with another example. Uh, James Marcello, the purported head of the Chicago outfit, which is uh, mafia in Chicago. This guy participated in the murders of at least 18 people and a lot of classic mob stuff, extortion and bribery. He's in there. Are you talking about Jimmy, Jimmy, the man, Marcelo <laughs> or little Jimmy? Yeah. That's oh, another don't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we're kind of talking about categories here. We've got your terrorists, you know, we've got your, your serial killer types. We've got your sort of low level, uh, not low level, but maybe more lone wolf kind of aggravated serial assaulters and criminals that, you know, are just bad folks. Then you have your organized crime connected folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are categories, and I'm glad you point that out, Noel, because for each of these people we're naming, there are minimum, well, for most of them, there are minimum dozens of other examples that are quite similar. So James Marcello, old school Chicago mafia, weirdly enough, like even though he was described often by law enforcement as the mob boss of the area, uh, insiders And some other folks would later go on to paint him as a figurehead. And they would say, look, he was the face, but the day-to-day operations were run by other people. It also begs the question of, like, are these incarcerations sort of fall guy situations? Right. Where it's taking – it's sort of like, see, we did a thing. We, 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 we're we fixing it. You know, we're, we're putting away the bad guys, but they're honestly just the bad guys that were the lowest hanging fruit that they can then use as a symbolic act of a bigger, you know, solution that maybe – isn't actually being implemented. <laughs> right. Almost like paying tribute to the system. Oh, no, you got our boss. I guess we have to take up dressage. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, the go-to for reformed criminals. You heard it here. Uh, no, but this is the thing. So if you, um, if you follow news about organized crime, then you'll recognize Marcelo Uh, as one of the top people convicted in this huge racketeering case in 2007, the family secrets, it's called. Two years later, he gets sentenced to the long ride, life in prison, right? So, you know, he's at the point where he might ride the lightning or take the long ride, and they sent him to death the long way. And is ride the lightning the like electric chair or is that yes. okay? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. It's even like there's a metallic album called Ride the Lightning, and I don't know if it was on the cover of the album, but there was definitely a very popular t shirt, uh, where it was like a skeleton kind of in an electric chair, you know, uh, being, being zapped. Yeah, for some reason, I had it associated with drug use, I don't know why. That's I, Ride I the Dragon. That's chase chase uh, the dragon. Yeah, uh, chase the dragon. Chase Got the it. dragon, ride the lightning. I made up take the long ride because uh it 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 is brutal. It's not as brutal in Japan. In Japan, I think we talked about this in the past. When you get a death sentence, they don't tell you when you're going to die. You are just imprisoned, and then once at some point, maybe a few months, maybe a few years, maybe a decade. They come for you, and they hang you. That's the Green Mile, right? <laughs> no, no, but the, was it the Green Mile, the walk to the to the to the lights out situation? 
Oh yeah, yeah. The uh yeah, the Green Mile was the in Stephen King's novel. That was the walk. Uh and then Tom Waits has a song called Walking Spanish, uh, which is about the same thing. And this okay, so this guy, like we said, contagious, right? The connections. He's considered dangerous because he's deep with organized crime. He's not a, a lone wolf, right? Uh, if he gets out, there's serious concern that he would be able to sow some more chaos. Interestingly enough, he may not be in prison for the long ride. Uh, two years ago, he filed a petition in federal court to have that life sentence tossed out. Due to his age, he probably will die in prison. But it was just to get resentenced, right? That was the concept. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. Let me out. And here we'll pause for a word from our sponsor, and return with some more examples of incredibly dangerous people in prison. And the stories just get more complicated. By the way. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. We've returned. Uh, this is a, this example is a little bit similar to, it has commonalities at least with Marcelo, but it's uh, different. It's much more complicated. We're talking about the former leader of the Gangster Disciples, Larry Hoover. You may recognize him from uh, some songs by your favorite artist. Uh, you may recognize him from various documentaries, uh, also various controversies. Currently, Hoover is serving six life sentences uh, and his criminal career, well, his entire life may well be its own episode. He's considered actively dangerous because he fooled the system, actually, this is true, and his crimes did not stop when he was incarcerated. He was doing what you were describing, Matt. He's, he's a, a quintessential example of touching the outside and having power while being physically, uh, physically bounded in the system. He directed the disciples and grew them from prison all the way through the 1990s. But there are a lot of caveats along the way, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, one of the biggest ones is that if if you listen to Hoover himself, he says, hey, I don't, you know, I don't run anything with the disciples anymore. Come on, I'm not the leader, which I guess if you believe him, that's great. But if you don't, then he could potentially be doing it again. And that's one of the reasons that he's considered too dangerous to be allowed for any kind of freedom, even though he's, he's well, he's well old, right? 70. He's in his seventies. <laughs> he's well old, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He turns uh, 72 at the end of this November. And it, because of his ability to recruit new members, during his uh, sense and incarceration, his opportunities to keep in touch with people on the outside uh, and his promotion uh, for, for a while of, of nonviolence and community service, he started being called King Larry and he became arguably more powerful in prison than ever he was as a free man. But it turned out at least from the perspective of law enforcement agencies, that when he changed gangster disciples to growth and development and started doing a lot of community work or directing a lot of it, law enforcement said it was a front. And he actually fooled them by growing a criminal enterprise under the guise of public reform, kind of like Gus Fring making a fast food empire. Yeah, you could kind of consider this a fool me once type situation um, with prosecutors and law enforcement convinced that he's going to continue to recruit and grow organized crime rings if he's released, despite, you know, him seemingly uh, coming clean and changing his ways. 
Or at least stating that he has, Correct. right? Yes, yes, yes. And, and it really is a, a very divisive issue and a conversation within, you know, I mean, the framework of all of this stuff surrounds what is the prison system? How does it function? Uh, is it broken? You know, um, is it in need of reform? Um, at the very least, yes, it is in need of reform, but it's a difficult thing to do because of so much infrastructure in place and legacy policies and just the way these facilities are run. Uh, there's a critical mass at play that is hard to kind of stop uh, or, or reverse or course correct. Yeah, in in our conversation we had off air, uh, along with our with our pal uh, Paul Mission Control, uh, you know, he brought up the fact that a perfect society is one that does not have prisons, does not have chains, you know, and that's why it's important for us to open up when we talk about this stuff by saying, yeah, in many many ways, prison systems are broken. You know, it's it's true, and it's undeniable. And anybody who says otherwise, um, just can't agree with them. So we'll this, see, but but I well then don't I kind of say otherwise, and maybe I'm wrong. I and I, that's why I want to have a bigger conversation with you guys about this. I think about the that show La Monstra and Matt Graves, uh, the host that we talked to, and that particular case, the Detroit affair, yeah, where yeah, Mark Detro was in prison for uh, assaulting women and capturing them and holding them and essentially imprisoning them and assaulting them. He went to prison for that. For a little while, and then they let him out because he had he was on his good behavior, and then he did the exact same thing to other women and killed them. Other girls. I think. I them. think his. I think his masters let him out. Honestly, um, but I think but they ultimately, it. What, what do you do with him if you don't have chains? I see what you're saying. Yeah, but that to that I would respond. A perfect society is also one that does not have those people. So, the, you know, like the old argument of utopia, right? Utopia, the definition of utopia is a perfect thing, comma, that does not exist. Yeah, uh, right. And, and typically when we see utopias in like, you know, science fiction, usually they're kind of dystopian utopias that involve drugging the population in some way or having people be complacent, like in Brave New World or, or what have you. Um, Logan's or, Run, THX. Or just controlling people's ideas, you know, and uh, and kind of, you know, having people be these docile chess pieces, you know, of the state. And when you have autonomy, and when you have free will, um, you're going to have some bad apples, you know, that that shouldn't necessarily I mean, well, shouldn't have free will. That's very loaded in and of itself. And in another conversation entirely, like in Clockwork Orange, you know, you have this whole scenario where the bad actor, the you know, Alex DeLarge is put into this program that programs him, deprograms him from behaving badly. But then it also essentially robs him of his free will and makes him this kind of pathetic, um, you know, pawn um, that, that doesn't have any control over his own autonomy at all which is basically almost worse than being imprisoned. I guess. I don't well, know. It's, it's, it's a different kind of prison. Yes. Is ultimately prison the of the mind. Yes. And, and I love the Kubrick adaptation, but I like, if you want the full story, read the book mm -hmm. because the last there's a chapter. chapter. Yeah. The chapter that was missing. It's, it's now in the American editions as well, finally. But 
but yeah, this is this is an ongoing conversation. I'd love to recommend if anybody likes TED Talks, sometimes they're a little bit utopian, to be honest, but do check out a great TED Talk, What a World Without Prisons Could Look Like by Deanna Van Buren. Uh, and I think it addresses a lot of the points we're uh, talking about now. Well, and Larry Hoover is a great example of everything right. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some some ordinary citizens particularly in Chicago, Illinois, see Hoover as an inspiration because of his promotion and community service, empowerment, emphasizing education, discouraging violence, uh, you know, from like intergang warfare and so on. Uh, his followers don't always align with those values, but people still insist, you know, his heart is in the right place. And that's why you hear people um that's why you hear people pushing for his release. As a matter of fact, earlier this year in July, uh, he sent a letter to a federal judge asking for a reduction on his life sentence, saying, hey, I have changed. I have grown. Uh, he made the same request last year. You know, so this this evolution is also another episode of its own. But we can't end when talking about folks who are regarded as dangerous. One person we have to end on is Theodore Ted Kaczynski, former math professor, domestic terrorist. His name is familiar to, and his nickname is familiar to followers of true crime and conspiracy alike. He was a recluse for a long time. He sent mail bombs to university researchers for decades. And uh, essentially it's because if you read his manifesto, uh, he's very concerned about advancements in science. The problem with this guy is that he's also brilliant. We're talking supervillain level smart. The FBI admits as such, like they admit it when they talk about him. Yeah, here's a quote that comes from FBI.gov, a website you should peruse if you want to. It's fun. It's like testing the limits. Like, are they going to track me? What if I go on their own website? Let's find out. Here we go. Quote, how do you catch a twisted genius who aspires to be the perfect anonymous killer? who builds untraceable bombs and delivers them to random targets, who leaves false clues to throw off authorities, who lives like a recluse in the mountains of Montana and tells no one of his secret crimes. Well, that's a real great hypothetical question there. Uh, do they go on to answer it? They do. No, that's just, that's the whole thing. They gave up because they couldn't answer it. No, yep, they, did, the end. they did. They did eventually answer it. They go into detail. Uh, about how they cooperated with other agencies for the better part of 20 years to track down this person that they called the Unabomber, short for University Bomber. It's a portmanteau. Uh, and they only caught him when they did something very extraordinary. He kind of, he led to his own arrest because uh, he saw himself as an agent of uh, ideology, which will be important in part two of this series. Uh, he sent a... 35,000-word essay explaining what he saw as his motives and what he saw as uh, the, all the wrongs of modern society. The FBI did something they don't usually do, and you know this if you have ever you know, been in the world of true crime. They published this manifesto. And this, because they were at a loss, and this manifesto, like they may have never caught him if he hadn't sent this thing and they hadn't published it because it led to Kaczynski's brother seeing it and saying, I think you should look at my sibling for this. His writing style is similar. 
here are some other examples of things that he has written. And, and then the brother cooperated to try to help find this guy. April 3rd, 1996, they arrest him. They go through his cabin where he's living a pretty primitive life, except for, you know, bomb making technology. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too. This is really kind of the fodder for serial killer lair kind of vibes, you know, with all of the meticulously seven also in, you know, the new Batman, the Batman, the Riddler, uh, tiny handwritten, you know, uh, the text in in journals, thousands of journals, 40,000 handwritten pages um, that included things like, you know, bomb making components and all of that and uh, descriptions of, of crimes and also a live bomb ready to be put in the post. And then, of course, the uh, the rabbit hole about his psycholo- his participation in psychological studies in his second year at Harvard. That goes pretty deep. Do check that out. Uh, he was involved in a, a experiment led by a Harvard psychologist called Henry Murray. And this was described as purposely brutalizing the participants. Uh, and this, you know, you can see a lot of people linking this to government funded experiments with mind control. Just LSD in stuff? One way or another. Wasn't it? Similar, similar. Yeah. Okay. That's the idea, uh, because the CIA was active in that for a while. And uh, check out Operation Midnight Climax, um, you uh, hosted by our own Noel Brown for more information on some aspects of that. Uh, I don't think it gets to the Kaczynski study, but but it's, it's mentioned in passing. But but, but okay. it, yeah, yeah, but it's definitely not the the, the crux of it. But th- we do know <laughs> that these kinds of things did take place, and that the uh, CIA operated uh, fast and loose, you know, with people's lives. Um, Absolutely, no question about that. Yeah, and also just to point something out, in both Russia and the United States, in the Soviet Union and the United States, I should say. Uh, they figured out collectively that the easiest way to assassinate someone and make it look just enough like an accident is to say they fell from a window. To fenestrate. Uh, to fenestrate. Yes. God, I love this language. You know, no one fenestrates. They just defenestrate. Uh, so this so this thing, what we're saying is there's a lot to Kaczynski. And when they came in, just as you described, Noel, they find this thing that looks like uh, the lair of someone who is mentally not well, 40,000 handwritten journal pages documenting uh, philosophy, documenting bomb-making experiments in progress, uh, descriptions of Unabomber crimes, also a bunch of like random bomb components laying around, some of which, by the way, would just look like household junk if you didn't know how to put it together. This is sort of... um, anarchist cookbook stuff, right? And I would recommend reading that, uh, reading that tome or a version of it if you get access. You might have to uh, find the right uh, counterculture in the basement of the right bookstore, right? That's right. Atlanta Vintage Books, go check them out. They're in, I guess, Shambly, maybe Brookhaven, whatever you can figure out. It's in Atlanta. Uh, Guys, you know what they didn't mention? The authorities, when they raided that old cabin, they didn't mention all the Zodiac ciphers that they found in there. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Oh. <laughs> we spoke with well, one maybe, author who well, fully believed not, that. You might not be joking because they still haven't mentioned it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 
Uh, they also importantly found one live bomb uh, packed and ready to go in the post. He doesn't put up, it, you know, he doesn't say he's changed. He doesn't say um, any kind of mitigating stuff. He pleads guilty in January of 98. And then fast forward last year, he leaves ADX. He's transferred to the Federal Medical Center in North Carolina. Uh, the officials involved did not disclose why he was transferred to a to a primarily medical facility there. But uh, in a letter to a pen pal, again, all their communications are closely monitored, unless they're with lawyers, uh, he indicated he's suffering from terminal cancer. So if you are uh, the authorities, there are a couple ways to look at this. You could say compassionate release would let him die a free man. Or with some validity, you could argue he has even less to lose. And this is the same facility we talked about earlier in the episode that is sort of meant to acclimate the most dangerous and unhinged uh, prisoners to regular, you know, prison population. Um, and uh, Paul Mission Control off air pointed out that this facility, ADX in, in Florence, has been the subject of, of many controversial uh, acts and accusations, um, including, you know, the um, proliferation of, of, of suicides there mm-hmm. uh, and, Suicide. and the idea that they aren't actually identifying truly mentally ill um, inmates or patients and treating them appropriately. So again, there there comes that breakdown in how the prison system operates and how these folks are treated. Um, is it humane? You know, is this more uh, in the vein of, of of a black site than than we might like to admit? You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm being hyperbolic a little bit there, but I don't think so. It's a place to put. Uh, people that whatever that authority structure is believes are too dangerous to be, uh, you know, even walking around living in a certain situation with other inmates. It's yeah, weird to and, think about. Yeah. Well, to, to the point too, about um, obscene treatment that you're talking about, Noel, uh, people who did not successfully take their own lives at ADX were often punished for attempting to do so, which is not quite the right approach to say the very least. Uh, and there have been a lot of lawsuits regarding what we're describing about, about mental health. And this, this leads us to one of the most disturbing things about these conversations. A lot of, a lot of these conversations hinge on asking the right question, Right. When we ask who are the world's most dangerous prisoners or who are the most dangerous prisoners in the U.S., we have to ask why, right? What, what creates this? Because, again, nothing exists in a vacuum, you know? And it, like, let's say someone's young. They do something violently stupid, like they try to rob someone because they want some extra cash, right? Or they want to get initiated into some sort of social group and they get caught, they get convicted, they go to prison for several years unless their parents are well-connected. 
I hate to phrase it that way, but that is often the reality, you know, oh, that's not access, an opinion. Yeah. Access to high, uh, high level, high quality, um, lawyers and, and legal assistance makes all the difference. Um, we know how people can get out of things or get, get things pled down, uh, charges reduced, et cetera. Even something as simple as traffic court, you know, if you have a, a good enough lawyer. So, I mean, money and, uh, and privilege certainly does enter into it. There's no question about it. Um, but, but, but to your chicken and egg question, Ben, this really does lead to a larger question of is that time incarcerated actually rehabilitative or is it just reinforcing um, the bad uh, habits that someone already has and preparing them to just kind of learn how to operate a little more under the radar once they get out and just to smarten up and learn lessons, you know, by example, in prison from other, you know, <laughs> craftier criminals or what have you. Right. Or get deeper because the they're forced to, you know, they're a kid in prison and suddenly they're forced to group up with someone, to posse up, to survive, right? Which requires them to commit uh, increasingly criminal acts. It makes it more likely that there will be recidivism recidivism, which is returning to prison in the future. And not to mention, I mean, those connections made in prison connect into the outside world. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you get leagued up with a certain group in prison and they take care of you in prison. That's going to translate to once you get out. And if you're life is over in terms of being in the system now. Um, you can either make a choice to become like a normie and just work the only type of job that you could even get, which is going to be low level, low paying, or are you going to join a criminal enterprise that's going to allow you to make more money uh, by continuing to commit criminal acts and do it smarter with the help of others in the outside world that you got leaked up with in prison. Yeah, there's this, uh, this reminds me of a, of a great freestyle from far, uh, Fire in the Booth by, uh, by a guy named Simba. And the line that particularly stood out to me uh, talks about the, again, the intergenerational issues with who goes to prison and who gets, you know, probation or who gets pretrial intervention in this country. And the line is something like, uh, a white man gets slapped on the wrist and gets a pardon. That's what happens when your father went to college with your honor. You know, like that's, I'm just saying it because it's, it's a really well-written line. But speaking of the truth, and if you're, if you're a fan of uh, hip-hop, do check out Simba. But as you're doing that, stay tuned for part two of this continuing series. There is one more aspect of this story. There's a curveball that we're throwing at the very end. Speaking of asking the right questions, how do you define dangerous? In governments around the world, the most dangerous prisoners are not considered so because of their violent acts, but because of their ideas. So stay tuned for the world's most dangerous prisoners, part two, politics and power. Yeah, but what, guys, what about remorse? Like, there's there are killers out there that show zero remorse for killing other human beings. Yeah, like I, right. I mean, I and mean, we were talking about organized crime. We're talking about problems with economic inequality that lead to that kind that kind of connection that y'all are mentioning. But like I think Dennis that's, Radar. Yeah, like what what do you do with that? I mean, I I think we got. I don't think it's as simple as one blanket answer, right? Like, what do you do with somebody like that? Or, or prisons good or are prisons bad? It's, it's, it's so much more complicated. 
Um, yeah. Well, back to the chicken and egg, it's a nature nurture thing too, where it's like, if you're predisposed, you know, psychologically to violent acts, which we know is a thing, you know, there are certain types of brain chemistry or, or, or issues, you know, malformations or what have you, uh, in people's psychology that can predispose them to this stuff. And then it's further enhanced or exacerbated by nurture or lack thereof or being in a situation where it is like reinforced by either a parent or, you know, lack of attention from a parent or falling in with the wrong or right, you know, perfect storm kind of crowd. Um, so again, to, to your point earlier, Ben, about a, a utopia or a, a, the perfect society is one without prisons. You can't fix people's brain chemistry. There's, there's nothing, you know, short of again, dosing the, the water <laughs> and just having people drugged into complacency. There's nothing we can do to, to make sure that people aren't born uh, with innate deficiencies in, the, in, in them that cause them to, to be this way. Let me add one more thing here because this is, let's go macro, right? Uh, this is something a lot of people don't consider. If you have made it through this episode and you're still like, gosh, I wish I was more depressed. The human brain, if you're human and you're listening to this, the human brain is not evolved to function in the societies that human civilization has created. In the 1970s, there were 4 billion people on the planet. As of November 15th, there are 8 billion. It is doubled, right? Uh, humanity Whatever you think about good or bad apples, and obviously the worst apples are red delicious apples, I said it, they're just not popping. Whatever you think, uh, there are are hard limits to the number of people that your brain can consider people. That is why those in power commit such atrocities and sleep just fine at night. Uh, And the reason that I say utopian, the reason I say like a perfect society is one without prisons is because a perfect society doesn't exist. I mean, what are you going to say? North Sentinel Island is a perfect society? It's probably not. There are probably some people there who are just jerks, you know, real pills. Uh, And I I don't think any of us know the answers, but I think all three of us are bringing up good points. And we'd love for you to be a part of this conversation. Yeah, I think we would love to hear from listeners, like, especially if you if you hold a hardline belief one way or the other. Prisons are absolutely necessary. We need them. And this is what we do with, with people who are dangerous. Or oh, and there I, should didn't, be zero. I didn't I didn't say they're not necessary. I said a perfect society wouldn't have oh, them. I, oh, I know. I, exist. I just mean from listener, like if you're listening and you hold that belief, right? Prisons are good. Or if you hold the belief that all prisons should be like, get rid of them. We don't need them anymore. I'd love to know, like, what are solutions to deal with people that collectively we've decided this person is dangerous? Um, just what what is your solution? Restorative justice. Is it, uh, you know, is it some sort of almost sci-fi level thing? The punishment fits the crime. Like if you are a McVeigh and you bomb, uh, you bomb a location. Uh, are you then sentenced to a thing where you just build though? Like if you, for instance, if you bomb, say an abortion clinic, instead of being put in prison, should be put on a work detail where you just build preventative care clinics for the rest of your life. 
Oh, it's, the, it's that old thing about like, oh, your, your parents caught you smoking a cigarette, so they put you in the closet and make you smoke a whole pack of cigarettes, which is child abuse, uh, by the way. But you've heard that old mm-hmm. that old chestnut, right? I mean, I have not. Well, okay. Well, I, I don't know that I ever heard anybody having had this happen to them, but it does seem like an urban legendy kind of trope, you know. Mm-hmm. So, as you can tell, this is one of those explorations where the three of us end up taking the conversation off air. We're, we're probably, this is probably going to be one of the things we talk about when we hang out in person, as soon as one of us brings it up, because I think this, this dilemma, this Gordian knot stays with us and it probably will stay with you folks. So please, as Matt said, reach out to us, let us know your thoughts. Uh, let us know what your, what your stance is, as you said, man, uh, particularly if you have a strong one, uh, we want to hear it. We're not saying that we have the answers. We're not telling anybody what to think. Uh, but this is, and this is just one part of a larger, deeper dive. Uh, in the meantime, help us out if you have the answer. Just like we said with uh, mass shooting deaths, if you have the answer, write to us. Let us know if you're convinced you have the answer. We want to be easy to find online. We do want that, and I think we, we mainly get there. You can find us at Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Yes, we have a phone number. It is 1-833-STD-WYTK. It's a voicemail system. Leave your name and a message. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Please just make sure to include whether or not we can use your name and voice on the air. If you don't like voice messages, don't like phones like that, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just 20 
$25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.